Hello and welcome to the Sunnydale Study Group, where we are investigating Angel. That means we are going episode by episode of Angel and using them to talk about live things. Hi, I'm Omar. I'm Chris. And I'm James. And today we are discussing episode 14 of season one, I've Got You Under My Skin. How would you guys emphasize that? Which word do you emphasize? I've got you under my skin. Copyright, copyright. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right, well, that's the last episode we were able to air. I think that's the only way you can pronounce that. (laughs) Yeah. I've got you under my skin. So you emphasize like seven words in that sentence. Yeah, the whole sentence. How about you? Just skin. I've got you you under under my my skin. skin. Maybe the under as well. I've got you under. I've got you under my skin. Oh, okay, I like that. What about you? I've got you under my skin. You see, you're a got guy. I'm a got guy. (laughs) You heard a gone girl. I'm a got guy. (laughs) Uh, I've got you under my skin. Hmm. I'm going to have to think about this one for a little bit. Okay. It's a creepy episode. Very creepy. It uh, sucks. I hate it. I don't like this episode. We've got a few <laughs> opinions, uh, at least three opinions, here that we'll be discussing. But really quick, before we ask uh, our good friend Jib Scavoni to hit the music, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing yeah. all right and enjoying my post-Halloween life. Happy post-Halloween, everybody. It's been a little over a week, a day over a week. Mm-hmm. We got the through it. Right? Holiday season has officially started. Let's talk really quickly. Again, Jim, hold the record needle for a second. Yeah, like now it's just Christmas, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's the moment that it's gone, yeah the, yeah, the moment that the pumpkins get thrown out. Christmas is how. I get to wear my Hanukkah t-shirt to every party, whether it's a holiday party or not. It's great. It's that awesome one that, like, was on the internet for a good long while. Uh, It's with a rabbi um, shooting a Star of David, like, uh, Ryu in Street Fighter, Mm -hmm. going, Hanukkah! (laughs) And I'm going to wear it everywhere. (laughs) This is the time of year it gets to make its appearance. A lot of people, so I knit, but I'm very slow at it, and I'm not, like, I don't dedicate a whole lot of time to it, so, like, if I'm making a scarf, it'll take me, like, a a lot longer than it should, because my mom can crank out a scarf in, like, a day. Um, But I, so what I do is I want to do, like, the ugly holiday sweaters. I make them, I get, like, a cheap sweater from a thrift store or something, and then I make them out of felt, and I'll, like, sew felt onto it. And so I think I'm going to make a Hanukkah felt Mm -hmm. sweater this year. Nice. Or adorn it with felt. Yeah, I gotta figure out what it is. I, I don't have a lot of time. It's November. It means it's pretty much the holiday season. I know. Yeah. You should probably start through that. Thanksgiving, right? I know. You should probably start that or in in the past, maybe right at the beginning of October. Wow, I probably should. I mean, yeah. how would I have that knowledge unless we recorded all these in one chunk? <laughs> I don't know. You might have to go back and tell your past self. Whoa. Oh my god, this is gonna be like a Bill and Ted sort of situation. Um, well, we'll like just a... do it later, and then we'll go back in time and do it. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah. like that. <laughs> All right, well, I want to talk about this episode because it's my favorite episode of any television show ever, and Brent doesn't like that. So, let... <laughs> so let's, let's hit the music, Jim. Library. Yes, we are. Now, let's say you encountered a child that had a demon inside of him, and you had to exercise a demon, and then later you found out that kid was just a jerk, and you didn't have time to watch the episode, that's fine, because we have an answering machine that actually has a call that's from someone. 
that was alive during this plot episode. So we're going to go ahead and click play, and we'll hear what, what happened. Click. Hey, yeah, um, I'm calling Angel Investigations because I saw you guys in the phone book and you had the cheapest rates. Listen, something's really weird is going on at the house next door. A whole family just moved in and, like, they get really quiet at night. The kids don't look very happy. The mom looks very scared. There's, like, green liquid all over the place. I don't understand. Um, it may involve a demon that is so depressed after the whole ordeal he's just willing to die anyway. I don't know. Anyway... Uh, so give me a call. I'll tell you more about it. My number is 555-555-555. And the tape kind of ruins out of there. Yeah. <laughs> five, have, you, five, five. <laughs> have you been on an episode of Law & Order? No. Uh, no, I wish. You should. That's so. That's an oversight on their part. Well, that was the thing. In New York, It was. Um, it's kind of the running gag is every actor kind of gets at least an under five on Law & Order, and you're kind of judged if you don't, because there's so many Law & Orders, or right. there were at the time. Like, back in its heyday, there was a there was a Law & Order for every day mm-hmm. of the weekday. Um, so there were plenty. I mean, there are Broadway stars who have been on several episodes just pop up here, you know, and that's there. So it's just kind of you do your episode of Law & Order at, during the day, mm-hmm. and then at night you you know do your show mm-hmm. so um it's kind of a uh what is it um it's, it's your trial rite of passage? rite of passage yes it's a rite of passage for many new york-based yeah. actors yeah i think leslie odom jr was in a law and order right oh really mm-hmm. that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah but now it's pretty much just law and order svu and the uh, chicago universe so now chicago gets the taste of what new york kind of so had all for the chicago a long actors time. all the chicago yeah there's the Dick Wolf Productions are very good about local hires. Mm. So if they shoot somewhere, they will specifically try and hire as many local people for their like under fives and like day players and stuff. And now they're branching into like this real murder. Yeah, stuff I saw Menendez. billboards. Trends, <clears throat> trends are gonna trend, guys. Trends are gonna trend. <laughs> trends are gonna trend. Speaking of murders being something that people like, have you seen the Stephen Ray Morris merchandise? His, well, I'm sorry. Okay, hold on. So, uh, study buddy Stephen Ray Morris, who's also a producer on Miami for a Murder, um, see Jurassic Right, a handful of other podcasts, uh, has merchandise about him. Yeah, My Favorite Murder made, like, his face. Or, like, it's his mustache and his hair, and it says, cut that Stephen on, the, on his mustache. And it's like, you know what? We all should be wearing Stephen Ray Morris's mustaches on our bodies and heads and on our coffee mugs. Wow, I'm gonna now have to buy all of those. Yeah, we have to. That's amazing. Good yes, job on you, Steven. Yes. It'll go really well with my vintage Storks t shirt. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's a deep cut. <laughs> that was like a month ago that that came up. Yeah. yeah Maybe so even was. more than a month ago. Wow. I know. I'm still pushing for the reunion, man. Mm-hmm. You can get a bowl that says mashed potatoes. It's like a mashed potatoes bowl. A bowl really? of mashed potatoes. <laughs> that you can. <sighs> And then, you, can. Uh, you can also buy Scream on VHS. Uh, you could also... Uh, <laughs> you mean as in, like, I didn't have it already? Uh, I mean you can as buy a it reference again. to your username. Okay. <laughs> and you can also make... Some brownies that have some sort of agent <laughs> that brings demons to the forefront and bring them over to a family's home. Yeah. So, <laughs> this episode, which is James' favorite episode of Angel, sucks. is that... <laughs> is about in a nutshell a child is possessed by a demon and everyone's freaked out by it and then they're like we're gonna fight this demon exercise the demon they do the research and then they find out the demon's like i don't 
care. Yeah, they spend the whole episode trying to exercise this demon, and then once the demon's exercised and they hunt it down to some, like, water... Sea cave. Sea cave. He's like, guys, being in that place was terrible. That kid is actually just a horrible human being. There was no soul to possess. Like, that was prison for me. If you want to kill me, it's fine. Like, I'm good. Yeah. But then here's my question. Go ahead. In the front. My question is... If an Ethros demon is the one that has the ability to get into, to possess bodies and souls, and to be able to scrape the surface of Wesley's mind, who was able to kind of channel Wesley's voice and, and do that whole thing, that was the demon doing that. That wasn't the kid. Right. Yeah. Like all of the activity that they're dealing with in the exorcist moments, mm-hmm. that's not the kid. It just turns out that the kid also was evil. Yeah. That Ethros was doing that stuff. Am mm-hmm. I wrong? No, you're not. Um, I think once he got brought out, um, he still kind of was like, oh, now I can actually do my thing. So if I can actually get away from this, then, you know, I can do uh, Oh, I can get back to, like, really doing some yeah. some possession work that I can yeah. be proud the of. The problem with him <laughs> being... <laughs> home about. Yeah. The problem with him being exercised is that he was so drained of energy that he had to recoup in this, you know, sea cave mm-hmm. and was just cornered. There was no way out of it for him. So he just kind of accepted his fate at that point. Yeah. But... While he was still, like, possessing the child and finally brought to the surface, he was like, there's a chance to still do my job here. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Have you guys ever been in a sea cave? Oh, plenty. Great. I have yet to experience one. (gasps) You've never been in a sea cave? No, I've been in a volcano lava tunnel. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, no ethos demons. You know when people (laughs) say the floor is lava and they play that game? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. In Hawaii, it's a real thing. (laughs) Right. It's kind of what it's getting. Mine yeah, was black sand beach. Lava, don't fall <laughs> on the ground. No, seriously, don't. Your legs Please burn. do, actually. My brother, yeah, used to check out like the ceilings mm-hmm. or whatever. The, what are they called? The um, like sunroofs. You know where there's like a hole in the ground and you can look down into the magma. Oh, uh, okay. Into the hot lava. Um, I don't know. That tour was only one day. We didn't get to see very much. Uh, but, well, I was in Hawaii for a few days and I didn't get to see anything. Mm-hmm. But also, I was like. They're like, do you want to go check out stuff on your own? I was like, nah, there's soju here. Chris, have you ever vacationed in Hawaii before? Yeah. You know what? I have. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Let's all talk about our Hawaiian experiences and make everybody else jealous. So I went two times in my life. Once as a young kid, and I don't really remember it that well, but there's photo evidence. And then the second time with my family, we went to Lahaina. Okay. And it was great. Sitting on the beach hanging out with my family, probably eating cheeseburgers every now and then, because I did that a lot as a little kid. Uh. We took a, uh, at Mama's Fish House, mm-hmm. which is a famous fish house, mm-hmm. we took a picture as little kids, and then we took one when we were slightly older. <gasps> yeah, Look at back that. To back on the wall. It's kind of a fun thing. That was my Hawaiian thing. Great. <laughs> I do have a lot of, I have to go back because a lot of my really <laughs> I good friends. I left my wallet. <laughs> I left my wallet there. I, and they, uh, I was getting a cheeseburger. What about you guys? Mm. Oh, no. Um, I didn't actually expect this to turn into a thing, but it's here. Um, Yeah, no, I just went recently for a family vacation, and uh, it was really cool. My my parents, my dad and my stepmom ended up renewing their vows for their 20th anniversary. Um, I'm a licensed officiate, so I got to officiate the the vow renewals, and, you know, they both wrote these very, like, very tender speeches. My stepmom 
hers was amazing. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and then my friend Carly, who mm-hmm. uh, Omar and I worked with on our Change of Lyric videos uh, from back in the day, um, got married on another island. So That's I right. hopped over there and spent the day um, watching my very good friend um, start her life with an amazing man. And um, yeah, no, it was it was a fun time. That's great. Yeah. Omar? I went for my brother's graduation. And I purposely went a few days before my parents because I didn't want to have, like, a nice, clean family trip. And because uh, this is an investigating angel, we can get a little bit into this. So the first day or two I spent, like, just because he had school, he was graduating. So I was just reading my directing book on campus mm-hmm. um, uh, over at Oahu. And then uh, or uh, on the Manoa campus um, where there's all the Manoa cats. They're, like, famous yeah. cats that just, like, eat all the things they don't want on the campus. Right. But because they have to run across streets, lots of times their tails get tagged by cars. Mm. So the Manoa cats are cats with like without tails. And like at graduation, everyone had like had designed their own Manoa cat necklaces and stuff. And then um, the one of the nights, I went out with some friends to a karaoke place, and then they cut a watermelon in half and then cut up the watermelon and then filled it with soju. And then I got on the bus to get back to where my brother was, and I blacked out. And I came to, and I was like, where am I? And the bus driver is like, you're almost at the end of the line. I was like, well, I should probably get off then, instead of going all the way to the bus depot and catching a bus back, which would have been smart. So I get off, and I call my brother, and I'm just like, hey, I don't know where I am. And he's like, what? How? It was like two stops down the road. How did you get lost? And I was like, I don't know. And then so I was like, I, uh, he's like, where are you? And I was like, I'm at the corner of, and I look up, and I'm like, I'm at the corner of Hayes and Hayes. And he was like, no, you're not. Where are you? And I was like, I'm at the corner of Hayes and Hayes. And he was just like, okay, you need to figure out where you are right now. (laughs) And I was like, I am not lying to you. I am looking at Hayes Lane and Hayes Avenue. And so he had to like find out which Hayes intersection that was. And then he was like, I don't know how you got there. (laughs) And then so he picked me up. Great. It was great, and I loved it. I had a great time in Hawaii. I had a great time amazing. in Hawaii. And also, it was around Christmas time, and I got to see like all the Christmas stuff. It was, it was great. Merry Christmas. Uh, which is now the the season we're now we're completely now in. in. Season. Yeah. Yes, we are now. And you know what? What better way to kick off the holiday season than with a demonic possession? A child. terrible child. The reason I like this episode is because the end is just... I. The body of the episode is not my favorite and not the best use of my time, per se. But... It's all worth it for me for that twist where the demon's like, you don't get it. That kid's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and that I'm just is like, because kind of I've met that kid. My mom used to teach community uh, classes. And like, I've met that kid that's just like, there's some people you're like, oh, you got some issues. And there's some kid where you're like, oh, oh you're a divorced. fired. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a cousin in my family that we all saw some yeah. shit coming. We were like, there's, yeah, there's, I, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to put a cousin on blast. But we all, <laughs> yeah. we all kind of, we knew. Yeah. Man, that's Has wild. anything bad happened? Yes. Okay. Geez. Many, many things. Oh, jeez. Well, we'll just have to wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, tell me more why you like the show, because I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I think All that's right. something to this episode. I do feel like Wesley is being utilized in a way that is unique to him. Sure, he's getting some Wes action. Yeah, like Wes has... Oh, you mean like when he gets when he stabs himself in the neck with a crucifix and yet somehow doesn't bleed to death. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's a total Wes move. Yeah. Well, the thing is... Sure. I think like, that... He should be out of commission at that point, but instead, Angel's just like, here, put your hand on this, just add some yeah. pressure. Hold you're it. Gonna be it's fine. a flesh move. By the end of the commercial break, you're going to be totally cool. Same thing yeah. with like a, if you break like a rib... <laughs> 
Just hold it. Yeah. You want to apply a little bit of pressure it's to this. anything on your body. It's not going to be a year of like slight pain at yeah. the very yeah. least. And Wes so. like stumbled through his little like sand barrier. Yeah. Yeah. Just foolishly, because he was being mocked by presumably presumably the voice of his father. That's what I liked about it was the whole. It's a little tacked on, but the whole like him accidentally calling him Doyle. Yeah. Um, and then there was some kind of idea, and you know what? The episode could have been more about the demon. That. Absolutely, it totally could have and should have been. That's what I thought it was going to be because he says Doyle, and Wesley is you know noticeably not feeling great about that. So you think this is the episode where Wesley's going to prove himself and make him a part of the team? Yeah. He doesn't though. He doesn't. Yeah. He just stabs himself in the neck with a crucifix because he can't stay behind the line of sand. Yeah, that's true. And then Angel finishes it off. Yeah. And does the family ever acknowledge that Angel's a vampire? Um, no. I don't no, think... I don't. I think I think that secret stays. Yeah. Cool. Like Angel, because Angel goes. Angel goes full vampire face in front of the demon. But the family's there too. And Angel's like grabs the cross with the thing in his hand is clearly like, like smoking. Oh yeah, but no, he's facing the demon child. Okay, so so they did the probably see still, that his yeah. face, and they probably were just like, well, you know, he's probably a very hot and yeah. steamy cross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A hot and steamy, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that I feel like the way that this episode probably came about in like the early writing room was it feels like it was one of the first ideas that they maybe even had. Like, yeah. What about an episode where it's like The Exorcist? Yeah, exactly. And they're like, okay, great. And then they got to make it. But here's the twist is that she's still evil. Yeah, that the kid is evil. Like the yeah, the demon wasn't the bad thing. Yeah, yeah. It was actually the kid. Right. Yeah, it's for whatever reason, it stands out though. It definitely is an angel episode season one, like before the Mm rewatch that we're doing for the podcast. If someone was like, name five episodes of Angel Season One this would be one of the ones that I Yeah. Remember. For whatever reason. Because I think there's nothing like it in Buffy. Buffy never did like a weird child-possessed episode. Well, actually, no. There is the dream episode where it turns out the kid is uh, unconscious. The kid in a coma is unconscious. Oh, nightmares? And bringing Lucky numbers. Yep, it? Lucky 19? Nine, Lucky yeah, 19. he's making everybody's nightmares come true because he's, you know, trying to get his own nightmares so like that turns out to be the kid the whole time oh, okay, yeah. um, we find out it really is because the dad is a dick and yeah. not like it's alluded or to the coach. In this episode. The, coach. Yeah, the coach the coach the coach the uh, dad actor in this episode was trouble well he just tried a little too hard it um, was just... as most dads do <laughs> yeah. he did the best he could yeah. yeah and then that poor sister yeah doesn't even really have that many lines no but she got but the sad every card. line she says <laughs> But every line she says, she was correct. Yeah. She was like, he's bad. He's always been bad. We should have listened to the sister. Yeah. Upon retrospect, it's obvious. <laughs> yeah. No, this episode sucks. Guys, you're wrong. No, it's bad. Look, we just came off of a really progressive episode with She, right? Yeah. That we're talking about, like, female oppression and, and you know, the patriarchy and, and all these things. And, like, it's very pro-women and pro-women's bodies and all this stuff. And then we come to this episode where every female character does every single wrong thing that just makes things more problems for all the men in the episode to solve. Yeah. It is such a step backwards from the step forward that they made in the last episode. Yeah. It, is, it is pretty much insulting. You ha- insulting. You have the mom 
who at first point you're like you're sympathizing with because mm-hmm. you feel like she's she, she's coming off as an abused spouse. Yeah, you know? like the right. dad is very much yeah. coming off as an abusive husband and father, and then you find out that she's just like. I mean, like when it when the kid is possessed, and and they clearly say this child is possessed. It's the demon that's talking, not the child. Mm-hmm. Don't listen. She's still finding it so hard not to just go to him in the circle and things to the point where she makes it all the way until Angel and Wesley are back with all their materials. She sees that everyone's paying attention to them with only, like, literally 10 seconds left that she needed to Mm -hmm. withstand this stuff and still runs into the circle anyway when all she had to do was stay put for 10 seconds. She's like, oh, they're not looking. Okay, I'm going to my son who has a clearly demonic face on him right now. Thus creating a lot of trouble for the next few minutes and a good amount of the episode. (laughs) Then, okay, and here's the best part. Cordelia, who's made leaps and bounds and all that mm-hmm. she's capable of over the yeah. past season, Angel sends her on an errand, just an errand, to get a box, yeah. a very specific box that they say all of the details have to be exactly this way. Yeah. He writes it on a fucking piece of paper and mm-hmm. tells her where to go. So she goes, the guy tells her, hey, we don't have it, and she goes, all right, what's your next best thing? <laughs> yeah. Because that'll probably work, even though she was just clearly told, if it's not this, we can't do it. Yeah. Let's so take a she brings this box, does not, and barely, doesn't, barely, doesn't barely acknowledge it. She yeah. tries to. They interrupt her. She never says, like, sorry, it was the wrong box. She's like, yeah, so here's the box. It's kind of, doesn't matter, we don't have time. So she never even got a chance to clarify. But nevertheless, she was told something specific, doesn't do it. At this point in the series and her history as a character is smarter than the way she's been written mm-hmm. in this episode. Yeah. And still, it's only just something to just prolong the episode. They made all of the women in this episode idiots just to prolong the plot. Yeah. The, um, yeah. That, let's talk about that salesman for a minute. Yeah, that was a fun scene. That guy was ridiculous. Rick the Clerk? Was that his name? Was it? Dude, Rick the Clerk. More like Rick the Scene Stealer. Right. Oh. Yeah. And more like Rick... Should have known that that wouldn't hold the Ethros demon, and what the hell? Why'd you sell it to her, Rick? I, don't know. I think he that may oh. not have an Ethros box, yeah. but he has my heart. <laughs> he does. That's my last Which one. Could be I held. Which could be held in an Ethros box. He needs to make that sale. I know <laughs> that lots of times when you're dealing with magical boxes and it's a mom and pop shop situation. You can sort of control the in and out of your business. Mm -hmm. But when you're dealing at a level that Rick is, you have to concern yourself with what do the shareholders want. We have to have the Q4 numbers. Also, you just can't expect Rick to have experience with every single item that he sells. No, that's a lot of, that's a a huge expectation. Yeah. So Rick's the true hero of the episode because you know what? He made that sale. He made the sale. And he kept his doors open. And things, here's the thing is, you can teach a man how to fish, and you get him fish. But if you tell a man, teach yourself how to fish, you can feed him for life. Yeah. And I, what I like about Rick is that he told them to just figure it out. <laughs> and he was just like, the system, the free market will work itself out as long as I can sell this one box. Yeah. And what, in the what, long what run... Is this trickle-down mysticism? <laughs> trickle, yeah, trickle-down demonic activity. And in the long run, it was the right move, because by letting the Ethros run free... Angel and Wes were able to find them in the sea caves and discovered that this kid was up to no good. I think that's the main reason that this episode is the best episode of any television show ever made. Because <laughs> when does <sighs> when does TV ever go to sea cave? Name another show that's ever gone to sea cave. Baywatch. Se- several times. Sequest? Yeah, but aside from those shows, <laughs> like, aside from those shows, 
When has a show ever gone to a sea cave? Aquamarine. Okay, yeah, but aside from... That's in film. There might have You're been right. an episode of the You're OC. Right. Wait, no, I don't think it was a sea cave. It was just by the it was by the ocean or at the beach, and it was like under the bridge thing. Oh, wait, no. There was one character who climbed on top of a sea cave, like rocks and stuff, and then fell to his death. That was That was not one of its best seasons. Insane. Yeah, but is there a difference between a beach cave and a sea cave? No, right? I think that they're the same. Yeah, I want to say there's no difference. Okay, so beach cave, sea cave. Same thing. Great. As far as I'm concerned. Great. But there can be sea caves that aren't beach caves in the sense that they're, they, they're don't have sa- they don't have sand on them. Okay, but like if they're underwater, that's a sea cave. Yes. Right? Yes. Where Ursula lives. Harry Potter yep. and the Half-Blood Prince. Sure. Total there's sea cave. Total sea cave, man. That's one of the horcruxes that were in there for yeah, a while. Yeah, it's on the TV show, guys. He's right. Wow, you are finding loopholes. <laughs> hey, the sequel you're to trying, Atlantis. You're trying really hard now. The, okay. se- the sequel to Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which was called Milo's Return, which was actually just a collection of the Disney Channel episodes that they said were one movie, but they weren't. Um, sea Caves. All right, that one I'll have to bend to. <laughs> <laughs> I just got Milo, man. <laughs> I love uh, that movie. So what artifacts work on vampires and which ones don't? It seems to be pretty Christian Catholic leaning. Yeah. So what's like the science behind that? Because that one is... The interesting thing about exorcism Yeah, is exorcism deals with the fact that vampires and demons and all of those devil-type things are part of a Judeo-Christian mythology yeah and it's but it's kind of weird because so it's buffy like, is a Judeo, or you might just say christian it's like a pre i don't know i don't want to get too much into like theological history stuff but like it's kind of strange because like it's pre like the idea of like demons is a pre-christian idea i'm not gonna say pre-judeo but it's yeah. definitely pre-christian yeah and i feel like christianity in terms of sort of like what i understand to be an original format is a flattening of, like, we're not going to talk about all these different things that can happen. We're not going to talk about a million options and opportunities. We're going to talk about the fact that, like, you are a master. You are a... Uh, there is no one who is a master to you but God. And God's message has been delivered through God's only son, Jesus Christ. And so your boss saying, it's your religious duty to work for me, isn't true. Because right. you only serve God, right? And, like... People like tax collectors and all these people can't create these complicated systems because you just have a direct relationship with your creator. And that a lot of the sort of pre-Satan uh, elements and stuff like that were kind of ironed out initially. And it was like, no, there's not like demons of the desert that are telling you to do one thing or other and you have to choose which demon to side with. You just have a direct relationship with like God and God says like, don't do this thing. You don't do it because God says don't do it. Yeah. You know, God says don't eat bats. You don't eat bats. It's not because a demon's going to come kidnap your children and leprechauns are going to eat your face. It's just because God said not to do it, right? Right. And then later on, I think, it was like, honestly, like a lot of information we have with the devil and demons comes from Paradise... <laughs> I pronounced the original title. Paradise Parad- Lost. Paradise Lost. I was reading it from the original print. Um, Paradise Lost, where there's like more demons and more of that stuff, kind of like a Neil Gaiman expansion. Mm-hmm. But then people allocated those stories back to like the Bible and it was like, well, there's like a million different things and like stuff like that of like different demons. And I think that's where it gets complicated for me where I'm just like, does, so then, but well, then why does the cross, so now our cross is magical with vampires is like a spell that happens because you believe in that case is then 
Catholic thought a form of magic. Right, because holy water is included. Right? Yeah. But it's not a spell, right? It's not magic. And I feel like it's... I, I think that oftentimes what a lot of this stuff comes down to in Buffy... Uh-huh. Is that Buffy deals with vampires in a very just kind of like fun old movies way. Uh-huh, no like, Yeah. It would have been fun to see Willow like bring out her like Star of David necklace just to see if it works. Yeah, Yeah. just to like maybe like take a shot. Like if I had like I don't know like a mask of like Gully or whatever from my mom's side of the family, Mm -hmm. and like I had that, would that also fight off vampires? Because that's like my mom's like family god. I mean, vampires aren't great with fire, and a menorah has eight candles. There you go. Like you're basically use like. with a revolver at that point. You know? Has anyone done, to your guys' knowledge, and we're all kind of like pop culture nerdy folks, so um, there's we cover a good amount of ground here, I suppose. Has there been like a popular like Jewish vampire hunter? You know what? If there isn't, there's gonna be now. <laughs> Has to be, right? I love this. I'm not I, I think I got some ideas flowing not, now. I don't think Mel Brooks portraying Van Helsing. True. But I, I still... It doesn't quite count, but because it's a still a I think a Christian character. But there's like a bend on it, yeah. right? There's like Mel Brooks so, and yeah, Dracula, Dead and Loving You. That's the closest I'm aware of, and I think most people have forgotten that that was a Mel Brooks film. Uh, <laughs> that movie is interesting. So yeah, that's something that I would love to see. I would love to see different cultural vampire hunters, also different cultural vampires. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so that's something that would be kind of interesting. Or is it just? Only Christian objects, Christian and Catholic objects. I think it's Christian and Catholic objects, but not because of a choice by like modern writers to do that, but just because whenever vampire stories were becoming popularized, those were the things that kept them. Yeah, I mean, uh, Buffy and Angel kind of deal with like the base mythology of what we know as modern vampirism or, you know, vampire lore. But Different cultures and uh, different cultures around the world have different versions of what a vampire is. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If we're really going to go into like what is a vampire, that actually depends on kind of what part of the world you're in. That's true. Who, you we're know, not talking about talking to. and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, like yeah. Culture, sure. And uh, even now, there's just I mean, and you know, even in certain books, there are different. Um, the the Dresden Files does this really mm-hmm. well, where there are different kinds of vampires depending on what kind of family bloodline they're attached to mm-hmm. and with that also comes different powers and abilities that they have but um yeah the whole there's there's a range of like what a vampire is what it's affected to whether it feeds off of blood or not um yeah so i think buffy and angel just kind of go with the most popular modern kind of version of what it was you know back then before yeah. it started to be a whole like no you could totally go out in daylight because that makes it easier to shoot right <laughs> Right. How else are they gonna play baseball? <laughs> How else are they gonna play baseball? Go to high in the school. rain. Uh, here's my question for uh, you, Brent, who mm-hmm. really didn't like the episode. What is the what's the rewrite? Our what audience is gonna it? be wondering if I'm Brent or James. Oh yeah, we need to just solidify. We should just stick with James. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but James, we, question. James, mm-hmm. Brent, really? please sit down. You're not in this show. James, <laughs> James. Um, what, what would you, so you've got to do this episode. You've got to do the possession of a young boy thing and the boy turns out to be evil in the end. 
What's the, what, what's the fix? If you know it. Honestly, most of my problems come with how the women are treated in this episode. Yeah. So that's where a lot of the rewriting would be. I mean, even the sister, who is the only person to get it right from mm-hmm. early on, saying that he's bad and he's always been bad. She is rewarded by almost being burned alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I would have treated the women in this episode a little bit better. I would have had the mom notice that her son's face is demonic and thus, you know, put two and two together on that. I would have had um, Cordelia not buy the secondhand box mm-hmm. and figure and maybe they just take their chances on trying to capture it or Angel puts mm-hmm. his body in the front because Angel has been possessed by a demon before mm-hmm. and Buffy and fought it out of his system mm-hmm. and stuff so right. like there's the precedent age. for this yeah. but they kind of get out of it by saying they need a warm body and apparently Angel's not a warm body yeah. person no, so I mean <laughs> he's room temp yeah so I would have just all of these are easy fixes because the writing is that bad yeah. of just all you have to do was have certain characters not do a thing and it actually doesn't change the episode at all. Don't handbrake characters. Yeah. Don't like, it's like I said, bad choices were made for the sake of plot. Like mm-hmm. that's it. And having them not make those choices would not have changed the plot at all. Right? Yeah. It just would have like saved you some screen time mm-hmm. or, you know, ad space or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I just would have had certain things that happened not happen. That's it. Mm-hmm. Nice. I think that works. Yeah. Shop smart, shop S smart. I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, Omar, if you were to... Increase the bad Increase things. the bad, yeah. If you were like, you know what, this episode was too good. I can't even handle it. Yeah. It just makes the rest of the series and every other series in its path and, you know... Works of literature, like, Listen, guys, we're not trying to win an Emmy yet. Okay? Yeah, exactly. We really need to ourselves. pace our Emmy. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? What do you add to kind of tear the episode down? I would say that bit? Wes would hurt himself more, and Angel would be like, just stop. And Wes is just like hitting himself with a bunch, like a frying pan and stuff. And then Angel's like, Wes, <laughs> stop it. And then that, and then I would probably add more of the kid at the end, where it's like, the kid's the bad one. And the kid's just like, hey, I'm not paying taxes. <laughs> they're just like, oh, okay, kid, calm down. He's like, I'm going to drink before I'm 21. Like, well, kid, seriously, calm down. Like, oh I'm not going to properly apply for a visa, and I'm still going to find a way to travel to that country and come back. Like, kid, stop. <laughs> I don't believe in checking uh, all my vegetables and fruits at, like, state borders. Uh, kid, stop it. That's what I – and, like, that's how, you, that's how you pad it out. Everyone makes really smart decisions. We wrap the episode effectively in 10 minutes in, right? We're not even out of Act 1 yet. <laughs> and then we have another – 30 to 40 pages to just let this kid list off all the things he's going to do because he's evil. Brilliant. Thank you. Brilliant. It's like in Robert McKee's book. If you can wrap up a five-act story in act one and then save four acts for a kid rattling off everything you do after he's been possessed by a demon, go for it. (laughs) And if you're like, that's a really stupid thing to say, don't get mad at me. I'm not Robert McKee. Robert McKee is an email. I assume it's robert at robertmckee.com. Feel free to email him. Voice your concerns. Voice your complaints about what he wrote in his book, The Writer's Journey, through this episode of Angel. <laughs> and, and feel free to see Seam as well, as I would very much appreciate. Because I've been bringing it up. I've been bringing up the specific Robert McKee issue for the last 20 years yeah, my has, life. Yeah, he has. Yeah, no, you've been a proponent of You guys listen to the podcast, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
I want to talk about Kate a little bit and how weird her presence is in this episode. Because <laughs> it's like you've got Kate doing an appearance. Top build as a guest. She comes in, she has like maybe two lines. Yeah. So weird. Yeah, I think they were just kind of, they tried to make it an organic way of her just just checking in with Kate. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, wanting to see like, you know, they they didn't want a full episode where they were forced to work together again yet. Even yeah. though things are awkward, they just needed to check in to make sure like, hey, Kate's still a thing. Still not all about Angel yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My question is, what's Kate's moment before? <laughs> Every time Kate has a, like, it's just like, hey, how's it going, Kate? And she's like, oh, hey. And I'm like, what happened? Yeah. I kind of wish, I'm noticing in this rewatch that I feel like Kate should have just been in the cast. Yes. No, absolutely. She was criminally underused. Yeah. Like, she should have been it's a part really of the crew weird. from beforehand. Yeah. It was such a great dynamic. Also, I mean, a lot of this is credit to the actress herself just being so good mm-hmm. at playing that role that she deserved more than she was given. I have yeah. a feeling it's a little bit one of those things in, like, Hollywood where it's like, all right, what's my character's motivation? It's like, you're a cop, but you're a woman. <laughs> Okay, that's not. Those are not. Those not. Those aren't opposites. Yeah. And also, but like, what's my emotional background? <laughs> like yeah. that, I really get that feeling of just. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's one there. of those things. It's like it's one of the one of the one of the big goals of like a lot and any actor when they're trying to get out out there is they're hoping that they just do such a good job at that like recurring or just the under five role or the person that was only supposed to, the guest star. Mm-hmm. They just hope they do so good at that guest star. That the showrunners go, hey, you, we're keeping you. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Like, like that's a what happened. Bad sit, or right? like with Urkel. You oh, know? really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, Urkel in Family Matters, for those who are too young to remember, um, was only supposed to be for one episode. And they were going to kill him off. <laughs> it was one episode, but the audience reacted so wonderfully to him, and he, he made such a strong appearance that. Uh, impression that they just wrote him in for the rest of the series like he became a series regular by the end of that season Shit. and kind of took over the show wow. uh, for a while he's... like it was all about Urkel he had his own doll like everything was just for a character that was only supposed to be one episode wow he was just supposed to be the dirt the dork that had a crush on Laura and it was Laura right I forget her. I'm gonna say Laura but um did yeah I and so that? And this has happened a few times with some you did, in, in television shows. And it would have been nice for that to have happened to Kate. Yeah. yeah. I think it would have made season one a lot stronger. If you guys could have popped into any TV show for a guest appearance and become a series regular, which show existing show would you have done that for? Buffy? Currently on the air? Uh, either which. That's tough. Um, no. Farscape, Buffy. Hmm. Maybe those. That's pretty good. I think we can all assume Buffy is, is going to be a choice for a lot for of us. For a Buffy podcast. Yeah. Aside from Buffy. Aside yeah. from Buffy. Um, Big I shocker. mean, if I was a kid, uh, knew, uh, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Oh, man. For sure. Um, anything right now? Um, uh, Jane the Virgin. Ooh, that's a good answer. I would just love to be on that show. Um we got to figure out a way to Chicago work PD. Chicago PD. Chicago PD. That's the one. Like, you know, everybody has their procedural, right? Like, for there, there are way too many procedurals on TV right now. It's really annoying. But that's because everyone has their one procedural that mm. they watch. For a lot of people, it's SVU. For me, it's Chicago PD. Mm. Like, I do not like procedural television. I especially don't like the ones with lawyers or police officers or doctors. I feel like we've seen this show a million times. But every week... 
Mm-hmm. I am there for mm-hmm. Chicago PD. Awesome. I want to be on that show so bad. That's the one where I'm like, I'm only supposed to be there on one episode, but I did so well, and the audience liked me so much, they kept bringing me back, and now I just live in Chicago. <laughs> oh, if you could live in Chicago, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, my procedural go-to show um, is The Good Doctor, because I really like the conflict <laughs> built in. <laughs> Here's the thing, is he's a genius, but also he's been asked to be a doctor. Yeah. Which is not usually what you'd expect out of a, a genius. genius. Yeah, no, you'd expect him to kind of use his genius to like read big stacks of books. Exactly, and but formulas. Instead, he's yeah. like a doctor, which is yeah. really such a working man's job. So, so the real the theme of this recording is Omar saying a bunch of that he likes a bunch of stuff that James hates. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh, I would be. I would love to be a series regular on Gilmore Girls back in the day. That would that would be amazing. Yeah. If I could live in Stars Hollow, gosh, that would be incredible. I met Keiko a few times, who played Lane. Great. Continues to play Lane. And she's the coolest. Asian AF is a show over at UCB Sunset. If you can get tickets, try to. It's difficult. It sells out, like, instantly. But uh, her and Will host a show there, and it's amazing. It's a great show. She's also really chill. Uh, Pete and Pete would have been another one that would have been really fun to be on. Yeah, it would have been pretty easy, too. They actually used to shoot the show in my hometown of Maplewood, New Jersey. Um, They shot in and around it. It was Maplewood, South Orange were the big two. There was also a few um, episodes in Bayonne. So they they were very Jersey proud Mm. of their production. And, uh, yeah, so that would have been an easy, like, I could have walked to work, you know? That would have been fun. I kind of know Mike and Danny a little bit. I interact with Mike more on Twitter. Mm -hmm. But, like, every so often I'll bump into Danny. Sometimes oh yeah, you did your little videos, yeah. yeah. And then they're just chill dudes. That's so funny. That's just when you're doing dudes. your Vine interviews. Vine interviews like where there's no time. Like, hey, hey Chris, how's it going? Uh, we have some quick questions, but unfortunately, we can't get to them. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I went to their last reunion show that they had at the Orpheum Theater, mm-hmm. I believe downtown. And uh, first of all, got to see Polaris perform, which was Whoa. amazing. Apparently, it was actually their first live performance ever. That's oh, hilarious. Like, a bunch of them had been in previous bands, and this was just a thing they kind of threw together for yeah. fun and just so happened to, like, get a bunch of their songs, you know, attributed to the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the first live performance. Um, pretty much the entire cast was there. Toby Huss was there. Everybody wow. tried to get him to say, I'm the strongest, like, are the strongest man in the mm-hmm. world? He wouldn't do it. Great. <laughs> like, like the the crowd was like chanting it, chanting, like do it, do it. And he's like, ah, no, no, <laughs> no, I'm good. Which I can understand. Like that was is another example. That was a character that he had created himself when he was a live performing artist, um, live art performing mm-hmm. artist in New York. Like like yeah. the showrunners had just seen him perform that character in some like off 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 like really small stage production of just like him just being this character for mm. a little bit and we're like we would like to cast you mm-hmm. as you like that person on our show on our, yeah we just want that character on our show so i can see how he might be a little tired yeah. <laughs> of, of playing that guy my i think like my uh, october show is for sure buffy and angel um my november show is Gilmore Girls that can like also fun into December because they have a lot of like nice like snowing episodes and stuff. But the once I get to January, it's like if I can throw on Pete and Pete, that's like my like I will just spend the entire Saturday just like chilling, relaxing, watching Pete and Pete, and it's like my happy place. Oh, it still holds up. I mean, even visually speaking, mm-hmm. everyone just I mean, the wardrobe on that show is basically how everyone dresses in Silver Lake now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, yeah I haven't so rewatched. True. I haven't rewatched Farscape in years. 
But I think the reason I'd want to do that one is I'd want to do sci-fi, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't want it to be like clean sci-fi. And Farscape is like Henson sci-fi. So yeah, and I just yeah. love the world. And it's so you know, and strange. I, I tried to get into Farscape. I couldn't do it. I, g- yeah. I gave it a couple episodes. I think it was so much of its time that because yeah. I was now no longer a part of that time, yeah. I couldn't like mm-hmm. go back to it. I think that's why a the lot production of people value like, maybe. Yeah, I think that's why some people it's harder to get into Buffy when they're older. Yeah, because they yeah. Didn't grow up to it. No, um, totally. Babylon Five though, for I love talking about old school sci-fi like that. You like is, Babylon 5? That was an investment in my awesome. summer that was well paid. Like it's I had so never good. seen it before. You have to absolutely tough through the first season because yes. it is rough, but it sets the foundation quite literally for the entire series. Yeah. Like you have to, you have to have watched it. It's so brilliant. You know, yeah. I'm changing my answer. I would want to be a series regular on Cheers, but I would just be a guy that in the back at the end of every episode, they're just like, "Well, I guess you'll do that," and I go, "Cheers." <laughs> no, Cheers. Let me tell you guys. Cheers had to be the greatest and easiest acting job in the world because it all takes place in the bar Mm -hmm. and most of the actors are just sitting down the entire time. Like every actor is just living in this bar on a hit show making millions of dollars a year just sitting down and drinking beers with their friends. No, it was it was set in, like it was shot in L.A. It was oh, just set okay. in Boston. Yeah, but they all like show up to work just to sit down at a fake bar for like a couple hours and tell some jokes and then go home. Millionaires. We should uh, write a that was the greatest Dine, job or diner or the diner. <laughs> I think America's that was two broke girls. <laughs> did that for a while. I they was beat a, me at everything. Yeah. I was a recurring background. You were two broke girls. Yep. I would also be on that show and end every episode with I just, cheers. I feel like there's stories and I want to hear them all. There, yeah, well, on our, on our Two Broke Girls podcast, okay. which yeah. isn't about the show, it's just about my experiences on the set of Two Broke Girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And they were pretty fun. I liked Two Broke Girls. I never watched it, but I liked, when I would go there, it always seemed like everyone was having a good time. That's I got good. to interact with Garrett Morris, hey. comedy legend, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> listen to some... Uh, live studio audiences laugh every single take at the same non-funny jokes. You want and me to toast this? But it's bread. <laughs> and they laugh. We that's the thing that's so wild about those situations mm-hmm. is they've got their like audience hype man making everybody seem incredibly into it because I think that they're like, well, look, Ma, we're watching the TV. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time I am... Um... No offense to people who uh, <laughs> TV is different for I, I, one time I turned off the TV because there was a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen episode where she was like, I can't eat an apple. You look gross eating an apple. I want to eat cute fruit. And then the butler that they had, because apparently they had a butler, was like, you want cute fruit? I'll give you cute fruit. And then draws a smiley face on an orange and turns it around and there's a laugh track. And I remember just like looking at it and going, okay, I'm done with this. And I got <laughs> up and I turned off the TV and I walked away and I was like, I'm done with this. <laughs> I, like went outside. I just like sat down, just like stared at the clouds for a bit, and I was like, "I'm getting more out of this. I didn't need that joke. The joke like took a chunk out of my soul. You were disturbed forever. <laughs> I was so disturbed. Yeah, oh. you were. You that it disturbed you so much that even when the demon left your body, you still tried to burn your house. down? I still tried to burn my house down because I was convinced that that was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Was I wrong? Yeah. I've never seen that episode since. <laughs> and that is our bell, which means it's almost out of time. That's so unfortunate, but luckily we learned a lot of lessons from this episode. We did. We took a lot away from it. A lot of real life problems that we face on an everyday basis that we can relate to the everyday. That's yeah. fantastic. That's what television's for. So guys, what are your Los Angeles lessons? 
My Los Angeles lesson is if your boss has sent you to get a specific item and the stakes are high, possibly to the point where people might die if you don't get the right thing, just put in a call. Hey, would this work? Yeah. It wouldn't? Okay. Call ahead. Call ahead. Call ahead. Uh, The lesson I've learned is that um, brownies, if you don't like how they taste, you can just pawn them off on another family to use as trying to siphon a demon to the surface. My rule is probably in Los Angeles, there are sand barriers for a reason. (laughs) Don't break them. Don't break them. Respect the sand barrier. Respect the sand barrier. And that is our final bell, which means we need to get out of here because we have not respected the sand barrier of the Central Library in downtown Los Angeles, and we have been squatting here, essentially, for this whole session. So we got to get it going. James, where can they find you? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at the real underscore JBI or on Instagram at James, James, James. The last James has six A's in it like you were cheering. And the last one is, like, long. It is. It's just long. I'm done now. Chris, where can they find you? Hey, guys, I'm Chris Permonti. You can find me as a Montioc on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find me every Thursday on Hyper RPG's The Gauntlet. Uh, also, you can find me with Robot Teammate, my musical improv group. We're now back from our uh, off-Broadway run in New York. Hopefully, it went very well. And, uh, yeah, those are the things. Omar, where can they find you? I'm Omar. You can also find me at Omar Najam on Twitter, as well as over at Two Broke Geeks, where I'm producing Nerdy Worms, uh, a program where we all make movies together, which is very exciting. We took a little bit of a hiatus for 13 Days Working Shorts. We're closing out the year because it's a 2017 thing, so we've got November and December to continue to make movies. So we're doing it. We're going strong, and I'm just so excited about everything everyone's doing. Uh, aside from that, you can also find me over at Omar Najam Film, which is my Instagram account that I use now. I've been using it for two months, and I'm quite proud of it. Looking back, I'm like, wow, who knew, who knew that that would become an account where you upload photos? Never mind, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, <laughs> and you can find anything and everything Sunnydale Study Group related at SSG Podcast. Again, it's at SSG Podcast on Twitter as well. Sunnydale Study Group on Facebook and Sunnydale Study Group on Instagram. Please, if you guys have any notes or anything you'd like us to read, send them over. We would love to chat about it. Have you ever been to a sea cave? We'd love to hear about it. All right, we'll be back up in Sunnydale next week to talk about some very fun collegiate stuff as season four is kind of wrapping up a little bit and we're learning some new stuff about some characters uh, and meeting some new faces. So tune in for that, guys. We love having you and we're so grateful that you join us for this discussion of Angel. All right, we'll see you next week. Until then, pack up your bags, pack up your books. We'll see you then. Hello and welcome to the Sunnydale Study Goop. Let's start that over. Sunnydale Study Goop.